Sevilla Martin, pastor's wife, writes, In the spring of 1905, my husband and I were sojourning in Elmira, New York. We contracted a deep friendship with a couple by the name of Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle, true saints of God. Mrs. Doolittle had been bedridden for over 20 years. Her husband was an incurable cripple who had to propel himself to and from his business in a wheelchair. And despite their affliction, they lived happily Christian lives, bringing inspiration and comfort to all who knew them. So one day, while we were visiting with the Doolittles, my husband commented on their, their bright hopefulness and asked them the secret of their joy in the midst of pain. Mrs. Doolittle's reply was simple. If his eye is on the sparrow, then I know he watches me. Sevilla Martin said, The beauty of this expression of, of simple faith gripped my heart, and that same evening I wrote the words for the song. And if you're discouraged, afraid of the future, struggling with the problems of today, listen again to the words of this beautiful song. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. chapter 10, beginning in verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are numbered, all counted. So do not be afraid. You are more value than many sparrows. The message Jesus communicated there is don't be afraid. It's the first thing he says in verse 28, and it's the first thing he says in verse 31. Do not be afraid. And yet we live in a fearful world, a disturbing season. And into that reality, God speaks a word of reassurance and hope. I am not afraid. Because the worst thing that can happen in my life is the death of my body. But I am an eternal soul. 
earlier in this chapter, Jesus sends out the twelve on a mission trip and two by two, you know, and instructs them. And he also warns them. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And you're going to be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues. There are people out for your demise. But do not kill those who can, or fear those who can kill the body. Phobias. <laughs> you know, there are uh, 254 recognized fears. Um, what do you think the top five? Number five is acrophobia, the fear of heights. Maybe that's you. Number four, claustrophobia, a fear of confined spaces. Number three, aerophobia, the fear of flying. Number two is glossophobia, fear of public speaking. And the number one fear, arachnophobia, fear of spiders. And I wonder if there's a common thread among those top five. I mean, I've heard tale of folks bitten by poisonous spiders and they die. And it's not uh, really that we're afraid of flying. It's crashing that terrifies us. And even in close spaces, we could suffocate. And it seems that public speaking is the only one that doesn't threaten you physically. But there are some who would rather die than give a speech. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. It has been some time since the terrorist attack of 9-11. But David Dykes writes about that day. Insidious fear is drifting across our nation like an early morning fog over a lake. We've told our kids there is no monster under the bed, only to see again there are monsters killing innocent civilians, believing their God will reward them. And the scene of civilian jets slamming into the World Trade Centers, the Pentagon burning, those are forever engraved on our collective minds. But who can forget the sight of two massive twin towers crumbling to the earth? Even in the face of great tragedy and fear, we proclaim, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We do not have to fear death because we are more than a body. We are a soul. C.S. Lewis writes, You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. I mean, our soul lives inside our body. It is who we really are, our personality. And physical death can destroy this body. 
but not the soul. I mean, our soul will live on long after the stars have burned out and the universe has faded away. There is one I should fear. There is one who has the power to destroy both our body and soul in hell. That one is God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And this fear is not about cringing and terror. It's about loving respect. It's about holy and awe-inspiring reverence for the Lord Almighty. I am not afraid. The worst thing that can happen in my life is the death of my body. But I am an eternal soul. I am not afraid. If God cares enough to number my hairs, he cares about the other details of my life. And this isn't about God loving the world. This is about God loving you. The one who put the stars in place knows your name. The one who set the seasons in motion loves you. The one who filled the seas and land with beautiful creature cares for you and has numbered the hairs on your head. So how many hairs on your head? If you're a a blonde, maybe a real blonde, (laughs) you have 145,000, about. If you have darker hair like black or brown, about 120,000. Redheads have about 90,000. And knowing how many hairs on your head doesn't even tax God's mind. I mean, most of us can see a maximum of seven things without counting. I mean, we can track three children without counting, or seven even without counting. But if I have to keep track of 20, then I have to stop and count or put them in four groups of five. It's like phone numbers. But our father looks through the crowd, and he says, 94,894, without counting. Maybe he looks at you and says, 114,925, without counting, or three. And if God can count something as trivial as the hairs on your head, How much more does he care about the really important details of your life? First Peter says, cast your anxieties on him, for he cares for you. Is there anything too trivial to bring to the Lord? Are there concerns too small or insignificant to bring to God? He cares about your hair, and he cares about everything in your life. Hmm. It's interesting because Jesus didn't say 
that, that God knows the number of your hairs. I mean, scientists with microscope, we, we, we can count that. But Jesus said, every hair is numbered. Each one has a special number, a unique designation. I mean, God knows more about you than you know of yourself. And the psalmist declares, Oh Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. How precious towards me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of your thoughts towards me. If if I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And so that got me thinking about, well, grains of sand. How many grains of sand in a cup? Measure it out like flour or like sugar. How many grains? Two million. If you have a container that is one foot cube, how many grains of sand in that cube? Like a big dime. A billion grains of sand. God's thoughts about you exceed the grains of sand on the beach. And I am not afraid. God cares enough to number my hairs. He cares about all the other details as well. God cares about a sparrow who falls, he won't stop loving me when I fall. The sparrows, some of the most plentiful and common birds in the world, and you find them wherever people are because they are scavengers. They're looking for leftovers. They hop to us at outdoor restaurants and circle, and any escaping crumb they swoop down and snatch up scavengers. They're not adorned with beautiful color. They are not even gifted with sweet song. The Bible says that the two sparrows sell for a penny, and a penny is our smallest coin, but the word Jesus used when he told the story really is a quarter of a penny. And so four sparrows sell for a penny, and the merchant would throw in a fifth, you know, a baker's dozen. Sparrows are cheap and common. Naturalists take time to estimate the number of bald eagles. There's 35,000 in the U.S. and Canada. But they're not counting sparrows. But God does. I mean, can you imagine the life of a sparrow? They're hatched unnoticed. Live in obscurity pass over by all and fall down dead, and no one on the planet ever pays attention or even cares. And yet every single sparrow is remembered by God. How much
much more valuable are you? Jesus did not say that God knows when the sparrow flies. No, when he falls. When we fall, when we fail, we believe that God is disappointed in us as much as we are disappointed in ourselves. And for all our failures and falling, there's no way that God could ever really care about us any longer. But God knows when you fall, and he loves you. <laughs> the psalmist, he declared, the Lord delights in a, in a man's way, makes his steps firm. And though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. It, it's been a long time since I helped my son Michael learn how to walk. He's 23. But I do recall moments in the process, and I did not take him down to the sidewalk and say, well, son, you know, this is a sidewalk. Stay here. I'm going to be down there. And now you walk to me. It just doesn't work like that. It's a process. It's coaxing, rewarding, and falling and catching, and falling and getting back up. And when Michael fell, I didn't condemn him as a worthless, rotten walker. No, I caught him and good job, try, try again. Oh, I got you, you can do it. And actually, I was never far away, you know ready to catch. Do you remember the finger thing? You know, kind of walking around them. When he started to fall, I held on tighter. And he held on tighter. We are all toddlers learning to walk. Getting our legs under us. And we are going to stumble and fall. But God has promised to hold us up with his hand. And when we stumble, grips us even stronger. And when we stumble, that's when we need to grip his hand even tighter. The tribe of Native Americans has a unique practice for training young braves, really welcoming boys into manhood. On the night of the boy's 13th birthday, He's placed in a dense, dark forest to spend the entire night alone. And prior to that, he, he's never been away from the security of his family and tribe. And so they, they blindfold the boys and, and told them not to remove the blindfold and led them many miles into the wilderness. And on this particular night with this particular young brave, when it was time, the dark clouds obscured the moon and the stars. He finally removed his blindfold, and all he could see was utter darkness. And every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal ready to pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined a wolf leaping out of darkness. And he spent the terrifying night on the edge of panic, but he didn't leave. After what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight be 
began to lighten the eastern sky. Looking around, the boy saw flowers and trees and the outline of a path. <laughs> and, and then, to his utter astonishment, he saw the figure of a man standing just a few feet away, armed with a longbow and arrow. It was the boy's father. He had been there all night long. What a difference it makes in scary situations to know that God is right there with us, no matter what. How many times does God say, don't be afraid? Every time you are afraid, when you're knocked in the face with fear, Jesus reaches down and says, don't be afraid. Health? Health of a family member? Job loss? Strained relationships? Financial pressures? Social issues? Conflict? Our Father is for us. His Son, our Lord is with us. The Holy Spirit is within us. And we go out into a dangerous, fear-filled world every day, and it may be dark, but your strong Father stands near, even in the darkness, armed not just with a longbow, the almighty power of the heavenly host. And so in your journeys to and fro, may God direct you. In your happiness and pleasure, may God bless you. In care, anxiety, or trouble, may God sustain you. In peril and danger, may God protect you. Grace of God be with you.